Hi there, and welcome to Picking Up Rocks, a podcast that strikes a balance between playful curiosity and serious inquiry. In this episode, we speak with Simon Goodrich. Simon Goodrich is the epitome of why we want to do this podcast. Simon has been a trailblazer in the purpose-led industry for Australia uh, for some time. And the arc of his story is, is, is fascinating in and of itself and, and something that's pricked my ears over the years. But of late, only did I really understand um, Simon's sort of, not inner battle, but inner challenges that he's faced. I think everyone can relate to being knocked down and, and pull themselves back up again. But in Simon's case, living with the von Hippel-Lindro syndrome, a hereditary condition characterized by tumors emerging in multiple organs. Um, did I really realize that Simon's lived that time and time again? But he's, he's knocked down. He's a runner. He's, a, he's an active man. And he gets knocked down and uh, he pushes the limits of what's possible to rebound as quick as he does and gets back on the track and running. And and he started to tell his story about his his thirst for life, for for his perspective that he's gotten when he has had the time on the sidelines about how much he appreciates uh, when he can get back there and the focus on the process. And I think it's a fascinating yarn. And Simon uh, is generous with his time and his insight into into the mechanisms he uses both internally and externally to get back up off the ground or get back off the, the surgery bed and, and, and back into it. And he carries this into his professional life. So it's it's well worth listening. And you might pick up a few gems as he, as he drops them throughout the conversation. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, nice to have you here. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's really good to touch base with you. I remember we've had a conversation a couple of years back uh, with a good friend of mine, Joe. Um, Joe Rogers runs the Contenders, the best branding agency in Oz. <laughs> Biased, but have to say that. Um, and but we had a really good conversation around portable, your design and tech agency that you run and, and have run for a long time and where that's gone and how it's got to where it is and how it really scales impact and, and some of the great work that you do um, as an auxiliary with government organisations and, and how to sort of help them do better work, really, uh, which was a fascinating combo and recommend anyone to check that out. And and before then, never since then, sort of been in and out of contact with you and, and follow your story here and there. And But there was a post that really struck me that you posted I think at the end of last year towards the end of last year where you're saying you're going into surgery and uh, it was a post of running um you'd just gone for a run and saying how grateful you really were for the opportunity to go for a run you weren't sure how much longer you'd be able to run after that but you'd been through this process many times before and you went on to really say some beautiful words around being grateful for where you are in the moment, being really grateful for what's come before you and then also focusing on the process and and, and just moving through. It was, uh, yeah, for someone who's scared of going in to get their wisdom teeth out, it was, yeah, it was awe-inspiring the way you were approaching that, at least on an online forum, and then reached out to you to just have a conversation today to really talk about what are some of these moments that you've had in your life around shifting attitude if you have it all or some some ways of reframing story or or recontextualizing your situation to be able to get power from it um but uh i suppose a good way to to sort of build in there i wanted to give the listener a bit of context around the why we're here and and what's going on um but a good way is to sort of find where you are landing that 
post was the end of last year and we're sitting now, we just had a conversation off air where you've been running up to 12Ks again. Um, uh, you've had another setback though, but uh, you're up there running fast, running long again. How are you feeling now? I don't know if I, I, look, I, I would never say I'm a fast runner, um, but no, I enjoy it, obviously. Uh, well, not maybe not so obviously, but for me it's obvious as a way to... Uh, get back and work towards. I think I had about seven weeks off this time, which is probably the least. Um, I just felt ready and right to start again. Um, by that, yeah, this is, I think, my seventh major surgery, my fifth major surgery of the last five years. So basically year on year um, with, with cadence changes a little, yeah, it's been either a brain surgery or a spinal surgery uh, to the point where I sort of forget which one's which, which, you know, I just laugh and smile about. It's still, I guess, part of the process that is one's life. But, yeah, it's uh, um, being able to develop a tool or tools to be able to get back from that, I guess, is where I try and uh, invest my mindset and time. And I guess I'm quite thankful that they come, I've pro probably worked on those, but they don't, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not unattainable goals. They're, they're things that are sort of in a, a toolkit to be able to get access to, which, you know, I'm enjoy striving for. Yeah. And how do you mean when you say toolkit in terms of that? Is that something you've developed over time? Because seven surgeries, major surgeries, is, is pretty phenomenal. And these are like, yeah, as you say, brain and spinal surgeries that can have consequences. Yeah, they all can, yeah. Um, I guess probably the underlying component is that uh, just an astute awareness that I can only control what I can control and being aware that in a lot of these scenarios, I need to surrender to the process of surgery. Um, I don't typically dwell on the risks. I, I don't shy away from them. I mean, I don't not ask about them, but they aren't sort of leading questions for me for a few reasons. One is that, you know, I choose to have surgery, so there isn't really an alternate in my view. Um, I have utmost faith and trust in the surgeons that I've had a number of surgeons over the years. I've got a fantastic one now in Dr. Tanya Ewan and I just trust her. I know that she'll do the, as best she can and that's all I can hope for. So I've always been, there's certainly been times where I have been challenged by scenarios but not really around my health beyond the it can be draining, deliberating, but the majority of it, if not all of it, is out of my control. So um, that doesn't mean that I put my hands up in the air and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of checking out on this stuff. It's just more that I don't let, I guess, negative thoughts enter that ultimately probably aren't going to serve me anyway. So, um, yeah, it's just trying to be progressive and move on with it is, is really my my North Star then. And that surrender to the process, I think, is so powerful in, in a lot of facets of life. Um, when did that come through for you with going through those surgeries? Is, is this something that's always been natural to you? And and for people to get a sense of of that, like, yeah, was it just 
straight away you felt like this um because it's a rare condition that you have in terms of vlh the von hippel yeah i mean look i should be not i didn't i wasn't aware i had von hippel Lindau probably until my third surgery um, all right there was a big brain tumor when i was 26 about the 10 years in between and you know i hadn't really let it define me even though that surgery itself was quite um deliberating i had a brain bleed i lost i've lost my permanently lost my hearing in this year i you know got permanent facial pain that i've had now for 16 years yeah a while yeah 16 years as of a few weeks ago actually um uh and yeah i just got on with life i didn't really define me i just saw it in the review mirror as something that was there there wasn't much to read into it and it was probably 10 years later and having back pain that then culminated into spinal tumours when, you know, the next logical step is that well, there's probably something to, to do that no doubt interrelated, you know, and they were. Uh, and then I just think that the cadence of those, I think I had, what, three in in 10 years and now I've had four in, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, three, I keep forgetting. I had, I think, four <laughs> surgeries. Uh, yeah, I, I had like about there was like a ten year break, basically. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't say that I reflected a lot. Like, I mean, I've got permanent tinnitus, so every moment of the day, including talking to you now, I hear, you know, noise in my ear. Now that I'm thinking about it, it probably I'm aware <laughs> of, but I've worked well to not let it bother me because. I still wouldn't live with it, you know. So it's like it's just a, I guess it's a choice. Yeah. I've got about how I want to respond to it. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I yeah, I said it, it was just it was it was it, it, I wouldn't say that the surgeries were a leading indicator of who I was an individual. Um, I remember my sister-in-law asked me, you know, I would have been probably a few years ago. It's like, how have all these surgeries changed your view of the world? And I said, no, nah, not really. As a partner, there's a lot of truth in that. It's just it's just the randomness of what. One's life does. Um, and I'll talk about why I can I'll talk later about some of those points to it. But then I think with the increase now that I've had, I've just sort of got more comfortable in owning what I've got. Um, and it's, it is a part of me. It's a sort of big part of me. And I wouldn't say it defines me, but it, it is part of who I am. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and, and I'm okay with that. And that's fair enough. And, yeah, that defining thing, I think a lot of people go through that in terms of with health, like people can identify strongly with health. And I don't want this conversation to just sit there, but that really was that striking element. But I suppose the beauty on your worldview coming out around appreciation for the now uh, was had a lot of resonance with myself, but then a lot of gravitas coming from sort of the situation that you're facing and sometimes it just takes Mm. those. Those two things in a story component to really hit home. I think people try and say it here, there, and everywhere. But uh, for yeah, where it hit there, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that about yourself, Simon. And then, and then to hear that as a jogger myself, um, you can take things for granted. So yeah, it was a nice time to sit there. And then in in terms of life in general, <clears throat> there are moments for yourself, regardless of health or anything, where you've really realized that. Sometimes there is a choice in attitude or there is a choice in perspective um, and you've chosen one path 
consciously because of a certain situation and that you wanted to cultivate, say, a positive change in a direction? Yeah, I, I probably framed it like I think I'm probably my natural disposition is to be optimistic. I've always been more of a glass half full type of person. So whilst I have worked on it on the edges, it is sort of probably more of the natural default, you know, and I'm, like I guess I'm lucky for the, the randomness of whatever cells that were made me, gave me VHL, but gave me other things such as an optimistic outlook. Um, you know, I think probably a real strong grounding for me is that I sort of, I, I feel innately that I won the lottery the day I was born. I just happened to be born in Australia at a certain period. Um, I'm a white male. There's a lot of, um, I'm very lucky and very privileged to the position of everything that I'm sort of having within that part. Um, and I don't sort of gloat on those things are there, but I just recognise the privilege that I've had with being alive in Australia at this moment. You know, if I was... 20 years older, I would be dead by now. I don't think that they would be as advanced um, as surgeries as they can do now. Uh, and if I lived in another part of the world, I'd probably be dead too because I wouldn't have access to the healthcare that I can. I mean, I live literally in the street where I go for surgery. I run or walk there and it takes me all of three minutes. I mean, the folks that travel days to get there to even have an appointment so just the, the you know the privilege and 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 i feel of even being able to be there um is not they're not, not lost on me like i'm just incredibly lucky um for all the, the, those parts so i think having that as a strong basis um has provided that footing for me and i recognize everybody's journey is different um and there are a lot of external factors that have led to me having this part but i just recognize and appreciative of the luck and it is luck it is you know it's just the randomness of when i was born or what i did and i know that i have some oversight of where my life goes but you know probably far less than i actually would would think when i you know day to day have you always thought that um yeah i think i have i yeah. think i have yeah, I have. I have for, for a range of reasons. I mean, yeah. I'm reflecting on it. My family story, I had both sides um, of the family, mostly my father who were in the Holocaust. You know, so I've had like my grandfather who um, had three siblings of seven survived. My grandmother lost all her brothers and uh, brothers and her parents. Um, to be even to be alive at all is pretty magical, really. Mm. And just to know the randomness of, you know, at one point things were okay and then they weren't. Shit change. You know, life's always constant and, and static. And I I I I I I probably yet to put into words the I guess family and cultural significance of what an event like the Shoah does, or the Holocaust, comparative to my own situation. But 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 there is a through line, definitely. That to know that like that you're even even here at all is pretty pretty much a miracle, really. And that's not sort of trying to create some sort of like uh, egotistical like megalomania there. It's just the reality of it at all. It's just like when you think of it at that level, it's like pretty, wow, it's amazing. So, you know, I'm just, I, look, I, I try and zoom out and I try and sort of understand that, you know, I'm of an age where I got to meet 
and know intimately that generation and they very much shape me as an individual in many, many different ways. I'm someone who gives a lot of care and interest into my family history and culture and background and it does drive me and inspire me. And I think coupled with my medical condition, it allows me to get a different perspective on it. Again, I, probably, I need to do some more work in articulating that, but the genesis of it's there. Yeah, okay. And you've always had that interest in, I suppose, your family. Uh, I have. Family yeah, I have. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm that guy in the family. I'm, you know, I can tell you, I'm not at that level yet, but I could tell you what, you know, my dad's family was doing every day. Well, not every day, but the key days between 1940 and 1944 in Warsaw, you know, like that, that type of level. Wow. Of, detail and that that, that, that they even got through I mean my parents my, my sorry my grandparents were married before the war in Warsaw in 1939 and they survived pretty not always together but pretty much together I mean the amount of married Jewish couples in Poland that survived that stayed in Poland you know I don't know I don't know if they've been on Stasina, but it wouldn't be more it would be a handful really uh, and so and I said, getting in that is just you know, blows my mind every time I think about it. And they were in Warsaw the whole time. Yes, for the oh, they left. Yes, they for the most part. Yeah, they they didn't. I mean, I think when it's probably worth knowing with Warsaw, the closest camp to Warsaw was Treblinka, which wasn't a work camp. If you went to um, Treblinka, you were you know you were there in the morning. You were dead that day. It, you know, Auschwitz was different, and that was sort of another part of Poland. But yeah, it was. It was a killing factory basically for that day. So, yeah, I mean, you had very high rates of mortality. I mean, 90% of Jews in Poland were, were killed. Some got out and they were able to, um, through their own luck and opportunity, um, be able to survive. So who am I? You know, it's probably the framing of it, who am I to complain? You know, I really was able to be born the time I've been born with everything you know, with a very all the all the pain and hardship, I was able to have a very comfortable and still do have a very comfortable life. So yeah, I that's that's probably a higher order that puts my health things in perspective that I get to see the surgeon that I really value. I, I'm in the street, I've got care, I've got a team behind me. Like I'm pretty I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, that that context is is once again has a lot of gravity to it in terms of understanding that and then family history with the living through the Holocaust in, in Poland is, is massive. Some of that yeah. stuff reeling off. And I think a lot of people are familiar with what what transpired there, the atrocities. Um uh, but on top of all of that, like what you're hitting on is something that I think is phenomenal. Uh my partner last night was just telling me it's just I never really celebrate like, I never really get birthdays it was mine yesterday i'm just like oh yeah her family really loves them and celebrates them and she was sort of saying to me her perspective and it was around like why birthday is important and it's it's that you're born on a particular day that you came into this world it's a chance to say thank you to that because like yeah. out of how many sperm that you were here out of your family lineage if you go all the way back like this circumstances that you were here when you take the zoom out floating in the middle of a universe in infinite space is is outrageous. Um, mm. So depending on the perspective that you get and then what you get from that is is mind-blowing. And then when you zoom in and understand 
and really contextualize your existence and how you've got there is is fascinating and then how you pull from that i suppose and pull through some of your challenges it's mm. i find that yeah like uh i feel like you have got a lot from that in terms of contextualizing where you are and how lucky and and but it sounds like you've made a choice to do that on a personal side in your life mm. um and something that i find fascinating and especially in profession that you're in an organization that you help lead or help create is you making impactful work do you feel like there's ever a, a crossover or where is that crossover in terms of leading an organization or creating an organization in terms of attitude and story when you're growing that impact is there different ways to contextualize that you've used in your personal toolkit that you'd ever go across there? it's not something that you might have thought about but on reflection can you see similarities or spaces where the not necessarily it's like you put your person in there. It's more just around what makes an organisation be able to get through some of the ambiguity. It seems like your work, um, it involves a lot of stakeholders, it involves a lot of hard thinking design work and then a bit of grunt as well. Um, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that North Star of what one wants to do with one's time on earth is um a strong desire within the impact that portable seeks to achieve mm. going in on a regular basis where there are a lot of unknowns and grayness um you know i'm used to signing you know updating wills and you know here are my passwords if i don't sort of you know don't come out the other side like i mean there's 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 just the mundaneness of it but it's there is significant part it does make you think, what am I doing with my days that are here? So, you know, I've sort of come back from this surgery, surgery seven, with probably like, no, I want to double down and focus more on this. If anything, it's like each time it's like a reminder of what we seek to do. I always say, look, there's many different, you know, there's many ways one can make a living. And there's a lot easier ways to make a living than the way that, that we choose to. But it's the impact that we strive to do that sort of gives me and a personal a lot of purpose to continue to do it um and yeah and it's it's an important part and i think with andrew and i as co-founders we're now at a stage in the business where we're still very involved but where is that you know a, a very solid management team um there is that part of like well how does one bring forward that and i i'm you know i'm, I'm confident that audible will far outlive andrew and i's involvement with it um based on the great people that are there and, you know, what, what I think keeps them there or strives to be there or people seeking to join is that sort of mission, which is seeking, as you said, Patrick, on having a higher order impact. And um, it's hard and you need to call yourself on it where you're talking of impact as a, as a buzzword or an actual verb doing it. Um, but it's a good reminder about the why piece. Um, and I think it was purely just building a business for the sake of it, like, I'm not, I don't discount people that do that. It's just not my journey. That's all. Yeah. Uh, and then it's nice to hear you speak through that. And then, and you're alluding to that ambiguity when you are really trying to strive for, for impact that it is, it might, you've got a mission statement and all start to get you through something, but then the actual work to get there is you can plan, strategize, and they're all needed, but to actually get there, you get, you go through a foggy area most often. 
time, you know, and there's always like, you know, we do a lot of work with government. It's hard to make change. There's individuals that want to make change. There's whole teams that want to make change, but the systems are challenging to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's a really long game, you know, and I think I look at the parts of problems to be solved. They're not, there seems to be more, not less. And I don't take that as sort of like, part but it's like an inspiration about what one could do to sort of help you know work through that i think is something that um you know that's really really important yeah and and, can you explain a little bit on that how do you mean and i understand that you're saying there's a lot more problems that and more problems arise it's also so i think like it could be seen as a bit of a dystopian oh there's always problems always problems to solve and the answer is there are because it's a really complicated systems and structures and especially in an advanced democracy in a wealthy country like Australia, there are lots of different challenges that one has um, to be able to work through, which we can, we should be doing. Yeah, uh, 100%. So what do you feel like are the skills um, that really help thrive in a space like that in terms of complex problem solving? Obviously, it's well, it feels like it's a great team. Um, from my experience, it's always making a space where people feel comfortable to share their perspective and then to be able to listen to another's. But um, how do you feel? What do you feel like the the magic source, if there is, to being able to solve those complex problems? Um, I think it's about recognising that what you're working on now might be part of a longer-term approaches seeking to make change and there may be a couple of steps forward and one back because that's just life. Life doesn't operate linearly. Um, There are also moments when there's ruptures and things happen that you weren't expecting to happen either, which is great too. So I think it's about being able to maintain a focus, being able to keep showing up. Like there will be many times when projects don't go as you planned, the proposal you want to do didn't happen, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a need that work or that's not a reflection on you necessarily as a company or an individual i think if you're clear on what you'll see it changes your signature changes an enablement of that and being able to work with people like you know this very these aren't things that you can just do on your own you need to bring people along that journey and that mm-hmm. includes being able to listen it isn't always leading in some ways it's probably not leading them much at all it's just being able to be that enable of it so that takes a level of time to develop those networks to understand the nuances and sophistication that are happening within dynamics, both internally and externally to organisation. And also knowing, I guess, because of the nature of that, the innate time when that work will be most effective. There might be times when it isn't and you can do other stuff and then come back to it and that's okay. How's your gut on that? It sounds like you've got a really good read on understanding the dynamics of change. You've worked in this space for so long I found that super fascinating to hear you describe that process and understanding where things are turning because life um, is a series of timing. Do you follow your gut or is this like how much do you follow gut versus data in those decisions when you have had to make them or had to give an opinion? Yeah, look, gut's a strong one in experience, so I don't know if that's sort of a replica for data. I mean, normally these ones are not. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily you know, analytical, purely analytical decisions where you're you're getting teams to get together a whole part of data to then make a decision on. They are sort of strategic plays. They're, they're innovation bets that one makes. 
for instance, or plays or bets that one makes to see, I think this would be useful, and they don't always work. You know, I'm working through one now. Like I think, I think I might have the uh, the confidence of the vision um, at a at a high level, uh, which might help to get through. But um, does it always work out? Does I does I hope? Well, of course, it doesn't. Never does. <laughs> um, sometimes it's better to be honest. But yeah, there's like yeah. being in the middle on that part. But I think you need to have again that glass half full. Like thinking, well, I'm going to give it a go. Because if not, it's just more of the status quo sort of standing down when what you're seeking to, the reason you got there in the first place, it's like, are you being true to what you think would be right? And that's doing that in not in an egotistical way of like it's all about me because it isn't. You need to sort of take some level of narcissism there. It's just about, well, I'm here for a reason and I think I can make changes this way and I'm willing to give it a go or I'm willing to stand it down. Mm. It's fascinating for me to hear that moment where you're saying <clears throat> not have to have the vision because you've obviously got the network and, and the space and, and built the niche, like, to be able to paint that vision and have that confidence. Um, if not, then what, what are you selling people? It's like, we can do stuff. It's like, yeah, I know. I know you can do things. I'm well aware of that. Um, I don't know how that can help me. Like it's about the vision piece. And also as a, as a you know, a supplier, like we talk about being a partner, but like as a supplier, we don't we we don't get to drive well there are there are look there are some verticals we do with research and development and we do a lot of that mm-hmm. but there are other times when you, you aren't driving the vision you're responding to a vision um yeah so uh, um how you choose to sort of work within that like some you need to build trust and if you have an alternate vision i don't suggest that you start with that if you've never worked with someone before because it's like well i don't agree with you and I'm the one who wants to do this work and I've got the resource to do it and I'm choosing not to work with you and that's okay too. Yeah. I just think it's about knowing when the, you know, it's about it's being pragmatic. It's not, it's not being a purist. It's about like we were, we are aiming in a direction for improvement. How we get to improvement is, you know, not totally unknown, but nor is it like, nor is it in a, uh, you know, a, a 30 page document with every step articulated. No, definitely not. And that making those bets is is key in building those relationships and trust and then being able to put the jigsaw to, to life forward. Um, and then in terms of that confidence, where do you pull on that well of confidence when you do have to share your vision? Where do you pull from there? Is that just person or is that something else that you're pulling from? I think that, you know, I, uh, I, I feel very privileged and lucky to, to be in the position I am, I just, um, I was jo- I was joking with a colleague yesterday. I said I I don't have imposter syndrome. Maybe it's because I have such a high degree of self confidence. But maybe I should in this scenario. Um, there is there is a high degree of that things can do. We can give it a go, and I'd like to, I'd hope that it isn't coming from an arrogance, but it's coming from a an eagerness to try. So I think if you can have the ability to have self confidence, humility. I don't always go hand in hand, uh, says the guy that thinks he's got both. I think others will be there to judge rather than myself. Um, <laughs> try, try to have those skill sets. Try. Yeah. Good. But, you know, it doesn't always land. Yeah. You know, I can have visions. I can have as many visions as I want. If I'm not able to bring people along the journey, then um, I've got more work to do. And I do have more work to do because that's a common a common. Uh, 
criticism of the sometimes they do is in like, well, there's so much going on there. Let's be clear. Um, so the things that I continue to work on. Yeah. Okay. So to be clear, uh, what are some of the visions that's happening in, in Simon's life right now that, that you are able to share or willing to share? <laughs> Patrick, many, probably too many. In fact, I know too many. Yeah. Okay. Um, rather than talk to the specifics, I think at a high level, it's like, how can I double down on impact? As cringy as that sounds, it's like, what can I take from what we've built services or products over the last many years and be able to scale them in a more uh, extendable way than I've been able to build that track record to date. So what are the what are the different ways that we can do that? Whether that's projects either at scale, whether it's about partnerships with more people, whether that's about globalizing or or moving into other areas, things that we do. Um, I'm really excited by it. You know, I've had times coming up from surgery when I'm not as excited, when it's like, oh, it's a grind and I'm, you know, you know, I have my head all spine open. So I do have physical and uh, mental challenges after that. And it's just hard. But this time, I don't know. I don't know whether it's like a new point, but it's like, it's just like a, it's probably a shift in mindset to go, no, I want to give it a go. Will I get there? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not, but I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Um, I don't mind telling people I'm giving it a go. If I fail, so be it. You know, I just ultimately look. I'm of the view that everyone lives in their own world anyway. That I really, I'm not. I don't sense a sense of shame or something. I just want to try, um, and that's all I can do. So, yeah, it's all you can do. It's true, Simon. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you and, and understand a little bit about the psychology that goes behind the man, um, and just hear yeah how you how you face up to your challenges. I reckon it's a an important thing that everyone goes through on, on scale or not. Um, your scale might be a little bit bigger than others in terms of its immediate immediacy um, mm. and then setbacks, I suppose, and focusing on that that process. In mm. terms of taking and scale impact and di- diving in on that just a little bit while we have a tiny bit more time is like, are you more looking at the products that you built and solutions that you built and where that can all apply in other areas to sort of, save on time energy resource but then also to be able to um help a problem or help solve an issue or help grow that impact of that that solve or that solution that you have helped develop is that sort of the mindset yeah but both yeah both like we're pretty clear on the areas we want to work in and do work in um and it's continuing that you know sort of implementing a strategy that's clear to the business and what it's seeking to do mm-hmm. which level is how do we respond to social need and policy failure that puts users in the center using the skill sets of design research and technology you know and under you know nesting from that is a whole range of different work that we do yeah and you predominantly work with not-for-profit well government and then an auxiliary to also not-for-profit work as well like how does that work are you the bridge between the two or uh no not always um increasingly so uh, that's sort of one of our strategies. We're seeking to see how we can make change there. Yeah. We help people who are delivering services and work to be able to not only meet but exceed people's expectations of the services they'd seek to get. Uh, and that straddles across government, straddles across NGOs that are supported by government, straddles across other organisations, strong areas in mental health, mm-hmm. justice, public sector, but also, you know, increasingly things such as transport, health and wellbeing, um, aged care, aging and family violence 
yeah, the the big impact areas that you can make impact and, and needed right now. Right, so there's, there's there's a lot of work there, and we're 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 you know we're only there's only so many of us, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's lot, lot lots of work to be done, which you know inspires us to to go forward. Yeah. Well, it's been inspiring to have a conversation with you, Simon. So I appreciate taking the time um, to let us in a little bit. Um, and yeah, I'm on an upward look forward to seeing your visions come to life, however. No worries. Pleasure. Hopefully, we get a jog together one day. Sounds good. Thanks so much to you, listener, for joining us here and, and listening to Simon's story and our conversation. Uh, if you want to hear more about this or, or, or more conversations like this, please follow along um, wherever you get your podcast or hit up perproduction.org and, and follow along there. I've been your host, Patrick Beggs, founder of Per Production. Until next time.